T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We are back. Hour number two here of Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. He is Matt Spiegel. I am Ross Tucker. We are with you until 1030 a.m. Eastern time. And we need to talk, Matt, about the biggest thing that stood out to me yesterday. And there's a lot of things we could talk about, right? We could talk about weather. And the fact that I believe weather is one of the things that makes football so much better than the other sports. Seeing the rain and wind in Philadelphia and then the crazy conditions for that Cowboys-Patriots game, that's on the positive. On the negative, you have kickers and... The fact that kickers are as important as they are is a perpetual source of frustration for me, Matt. I watched (laughs) Panthers kicker Joey Sly, who had already missed two extra points, miss a 28-yard field goal right in the middle of the field. And instead, the Saints come down the field and their kicker makes it. I got to tell you, this isn't even my one big takeaway, Matt, but I got to tell you, It is, in my mind, a serious flaw in the game. I hate, and I mean that, I hate it, that these guys run into each other and put their you-know-whats, their butts on the line for 60 minutes, and then ultimately it comes down to the end where their high school soccer player made it and your (laughs) high school soccer player missed it, and that's why they won and you lost. That is a way of phrasing it that I have not heard, but makes all the sense for a dude who was banged and bruised and probably broken a time or two, Ross Tucker, and then you watch the kickers come in and daintily decide your fate. I understand. Curious, do you have more respect for punters who are an extension of the defense? No, not really. <laughs> uh, but I, But I will say this. I don't have as much of a beef with punters because I don't feel like the game very often comes down to them. I just think so often at every level, but especially in the NFL, you have all of this back and forth and you have all of these great games. And then it just comes down to whether or not a guy yeah. that does something that has nothing to do with the rest. I mean, the sport is about, Blocking, tackling, running, catching. And it's like, it's insane to me. It, it would be like at the end of a basketball game. It's 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 a close game. Like, And now we are going to bring in the 12th guy on the bench to see if he can kick in a free throw. And the guy yeah. like tries to kick a ball into the free throw. I mean, it's just, it's uh, crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. Almost as crazy, by the way, as people that don't know that this show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, which is the smartest way to hire. You can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Reminder, please follow the show on Twitter at RDC Home and Home. We have a whole network that has shows all throughout the day and a host of podcasts. It's at RDC Sports. He is at Matt Spiegel, S-P-I-E-G-E-L 670. I am at Ross Tucker NFL. We're with you 8 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time every single day, Monday through Friday. We will be joined by Kevin Hagland who covers the Cowboys down there. He's on our Dallas affiliate, 105.3 The Fan, in about 25 minutes. But before I get on to the really serious thing and my biggest takeaway from yesterday, what are your thoughts, Matt, on 
what I think is a, I'm not going to say a fatal flaw, but a flaw in the game that so many of them, and you're in Chicago, you should know this the last couple of years as much as anyone, that the game ends so often with a guy that not only doesn't look like any other guys that participate in the other 59 minutes of the game, he does, he's not even doing something that's what the other guys were doing the whole time. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I'm i surprised, actually, in your earlier rant that you gave credit to the guys who throw it and who catch it, even. Because, I mean, they don't bang like like you did, you, you big, tough lineman types. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the kicker, no, I understand. And, look, they've only made it more important by the lengthening of the extra point. There was a stretch yesterday where the Bears went for two after a touchdown. They got it, but there was a penalty. So it came back. They kicked that extra point. There was another penalty. They came back and missed that extra point. So they they flagged themselves away from two points, let alone one. And, uh, no, I understand. But if anything, that combined with the growing trust of the analytics should lead teams to go for it more often on fourth down, especially at that funky part of the field. You're at the 35, just go. Even if it's four or five or six yards, go. Because you can't depend on most of these guys. I don't see a way that the rules or the scoring is going to change that um, that 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 incorrect prioritization of who's the most important guy on the field that you're talking about. It's going to have to be through game theory and practice from the coaches involved. So as for the thing that bothers me the most about the NFL right now, and my biggest takeaway, Matt, from yesterday, let's Mm -hmm. move on to the Cowboys Patriots game. Now, Matt, I don't have a horse in the race. I don't really care who wins that game, but I'm home watching that game yesterday and I see not one, but two absolutely phantom, no way, no how tripping calls against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, let me preface this, okay, Matt? As a player, you are taught to never leave it in the official's hands. You are taught to play so well that one bad official's call doesn't ruin the game for you. I hate when you're on talk radio on a Monday and everybody just wants to call and bitch about the officiating and that that's why their team lost the game and they got a raw deal and they got screwed and all that stuff. I'm not into any of that. I'm really not, Matt. I I think it's usually just a crutch. It's usually just an excuse. And it's usually just something everybody can agree on. But I got to tell you, Matt, after my family and my friends, football is like my next love. And truth be told, I even love it more than some of my friends, if I'm being honest. Okay, (laughs) It's time. I do. I do. When I see... What I've seen this year, and I'm not talking about bad officiating. I'm not even talking about the replay review, the Sean Payton rule, which ironically went against Sean Payton yesterday, which is a whole other topic. What I am talking about are the phantom flags that are being thrown for fouls that are not there. Matt? I can handle, I can tolerate if they let them play. I can tolerate a tug here or a pull there and they don't call offensive holding or defensive holding or whatever. What I cannot and will not accept is when they throw a flag for a foul that is nothing of the sort. They're literally making it up. What happened, Matt, that we got to this point? Is it Commissioner Roger Goodell? Is it Alberto Riveron? Is it his boss? What are we doing that we are making up penalties now? Number one, it stops the game. Nobody wants more penalties 
Nobody mm -hmm. wants additional stoppages. Nobody wants a longer game because of that. Number two, we are in the age of the proliferation of sports betting and gambling. And when you let him go, you let it play, it's like, okay, they're letting him play. When you throw the flag, when it's an absolute phantom call, you really call into question the integrity of the entire event. I could give two shits if the Dallas Cowboys won that game. I don't care. What I care about is them throwing the flag and literally making up bullshit calls. I don't know how we got here, Matt, but there was one in the Sunday night game. They called illegal hands to the face on Kevin King. Yes. And Collinsworth's like, yeah, I, I guess it was in there somewhere. No. No, it was not. They literally throw a flag, stop the game, and hurt a team for new, no gosh darn reason. And I hate it, Matt. I hate it. I understand, uh, Ross. There's multiple factors here, one of which to me is that humans are going to screw up no matter what we do, no matter how good the technology gets, no matter how much we tweak specific rules. What is a pick, by the way? I don't know. Until they call it, it's not a pick. And then they call it and you're like, okay, yeah, I guess that was a pick uh, for a wide receiver running around, let alone a hold and a catch and all of that. So you've got that. But now we also have this elevated level of technology and dissection that has made the refs super self-aware and fearful of missing something because they'll get called on it. But if anything, that, that should make them not want to call these phantom things, but it seems to have gone in the other direction sometimes. And it, it is incredibly frustrating, and I believe you when you say you don't care whether the Cowboys won. It's not sour grapes. It's about the quality of watchability and the integrity of the game, and I don't think you mean anybody's cheating. It's just, please don't affect my sport as much as you are. I'll tell you what was incredibly egregious and pretty frightening to me yesterday, Ross, and I don't know how the, the viewers and listeners feel, but maybe one of the best and most important hires in our field of broadcasting over the last 15 years or so was Mike Pereira at Fox. Really good at his job, opened the floodgates for all of these other referee analysts, and now every football broadcast at just about every college or pro level has one. But Mike Pereira yesterday made excuses for those tripping calls, at least the second one that you're talking about. And I could not believe that he was doing that. And I, I, I don't think that he is in the pocket of, of friends or the league or refs, because that has not been his MO in the past. I, I think if he was honestly saying that he empathized with the thought process of these refs that called that tripping penalty, then we've got a massive, massive problem because these guys should not feel comfortable calling something that they think they saw. And, and, and Pereira backing them up slash making excuses for them was really, really troubling to me. Yeah, I mean, the first one I, he didn't see. The second one, it was he, he thought Frederick lifted his leg. That was actually the opposite of tripping. Tripping would be if you leave your leg there and the uh -huh. guy falls over it. Having your power base your foot's off the ground and the guy pushes through you and your leg's off the ground, that is not tripping. And it makes me sick. It really does. My overarching point would be this, Matt, and I mm -hmm. want to get your thoughts, and I'll even present the counter argument, okay? But if someone made me commissioner of the NFL, which would probably be a great idea and the whole world would be a better place, okay? Wow, the whole but world, not just the game. commissioner of the NFL, my number one job, the first thing I would do is I would get all the officials into a room or on a conference call and say, hey, listen, fellas, let me just tell you something. Nobody came to watch you. If, you see a foul, and you're sure you see a foul, 
by all means, throw the flag. Throw the flag. But if you don't see a foul or you're not sure you see it, when in doubt, don't throw the flag. We are okay with, from time to time, you letting the guys play, and maybe a foul should have been thrown there, but okay. We are not okay with you literally making up penalties. We are going to err on the side of when in doubt, don't throw the flag. Sometimes, Matt, I feel like they've been told the opposite. It feels that way sometimes. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I I think in most sports, and certainly in the NFL, if if guys got used to being allowed to play, we got used to let them play, it certainly is a better viewing product. That's for sure. And... And it makes this conversation feel less pointless, right? Because I, I, we rant and we rave and world goes round and it is, it is maddening and frustrating. So I feel you. I, I'm interested in the fact that you think if you were commissioner, the whole world would be a better place. Not just the game, not just football, not just football cities even, but really the whole world. How would your commissionership, Ross, extend to the well-being of, of the world at large? If I could ask. Well, that is because the NFL yeah. is quintessential to the fabric of American society. Oh, and God. look, if I were if I was the president of the United States, we would have uh-huh. mandatory military commitments. Two years, just like Israel. I was that gonna would say solve yeah. a lot of problems in our country. A lot of hmm. problems. If everybody served and understood what that process was like and what it was like to be a part of the military and understood the very real threats that are out there and at some point had to be on the same team, Team America, which it never feels like it is these days, everything's polarizing, everything's divided, that would go a long way. That would be number one if I was president, number one if I was commissioner is what I just told you. By the way, the counter argument is that if they're not throwing those flags, specifically for defensive holding and defensive pass interference, if you let them play too much, then it'll be like the Patriots back 15 years ago where they're just beating the crap out of the receivers at the line of scrimmage. And Uh okay, you get called for a penalty every once in a while, but scoring would go down. So that's the counter argument for that. The other thing I thought was interesting, Matt, about the Cowboys-Patriots game, where there were some very interesting comments both during and after the game. I know the Jerry Jones one stood out to me, and we'll get to that, but there were some from Rob Gronkowski, of all people, who looked Hmm. really weird with his hair the way it was and the the (laughs) turtleneck, but you were able to get past the look, and you were able to go with the fact of what he actually said. You know, maybe the look was part of it because the whole Gronk thing, Ross, I mean, I, I guess I should have seen this coming that he was a TV star in the making, but I really, really didn't. Um, but right now, and I don't know if it'll last, if in two years he'll have the willingness to say absurd things or if it'll be battered out of him like so often happens to recently retired players. But right now he's willing to say anything. And I thought... What he spoke to about the difference between the Patriots and the Cowboys and where it comes from was really telling. And he was talking about the weather, but it was about even more than that to me. When there's weather conditions like this, great, good defenses need to become great. And let me tell you, it's advantage Patriots anytime there's weather. You want to know why? The Patriots practice in any conditions. If it's rain, if it's snow, if it's 100 degrees, if it's 4 degrees, it does not matter. Coach Belichick is making you go out on that practice field, and he's making you show up on time even if there's a blizzard at 7 a.m. And let me tell you this. If there's a little rain in, in Dallas, a little snow in Dallas, Jerry Jones comes down and say, oh, do you guys want to practice in the bubble today? <laughs> well, that's why it's advantage Patriots, and that's why they're kicking butt today versus the Dallas Cowboys. Good job. <laughs> That is Bob Gronkowski. And you know what? I played for both those teams, Matt. Wow. And in 
in New England, you absolutely practice in everything. In fact, when I was in New England, Matt, they had a grass field still. We practiced on the game grass field almost every day with huh. the idea that it would be all torn up. It was basically painted mud, but we mm -hmm. knew the hard spots. We knew the soft spots. We knew the perfect cleats to wear on that field. Just a tiny little advantage. The other team would come. They'd have to figure out what cleats to wear. And they'd be complaining before the game like, this sucks. I came in. Well, I got to wear these cleats. I'm, my feet are sticking. We, like, we, were, we were used to it. We did it every day. So, And in Dallas, they, they certainly, I do think, um, have a little bit of a different mindset. I, I think Grant might have gone a little bit far. Within the bubble, and it never snows in Dallas. Every once in a while, like there'll be like an ice storm, maybe, but it hardly ever snows there. Uh, by the way, our guy Tom Brady, who's on WEI in Boston, a radio.com affiliate, he was asked about Gronk's comments this morning on the Greg Hill show. So, is he kind of addressing that Patriot mentality, Tom, which is you're never happy even even after a win? Well, I think you know everyone deals with with um, things differently, and you know I think that was part of having a guy like Gronk in the locker room that was so great was you know he approached it like he does, which is um, you know he looked always looks at the, the kind of the bright spots and everything. So, um, you know when you have great attitudes like that, it's it's good to have, and um, you know he was a great player for a long time. So, you know we have different challenges we face, and I think. You know, for me personally, I don't have just one emotion after every game, you know. I mean, there's probably five or ten. So, you know, probably catches the moment you catch me is probably, you know, how I'll feel at a particular time. And sometimes it takes time to digest things and and deal with things. And hopefully we can, you know, process those by the time your preparation for the next week starts. That is Tom Brady. And I got to tell you, Matt, he did something after the game yesterday that I really feel like is the quintessential example. Man, that's the second time I use quintessential this show. Not good. Not, I'm, uh, oh, I'm overdoing my quintessentials. Uh, you I'm also, quintessentially uh, yeah. overdoing it with quintessential. <laughs> so, but after the game, did you see where Brady threw the ball out of bounds on the last play? And... The ball was like still in the air and all of a sudden the clock just stopped with one second left uh -huh. rather than like it going out. After the game, they show Belichick going up to Garrett and shaking his hand. They show the players talking. Next thing you know, they show Brady and he is talking to the officials and he was either learning and trying to understand why the second didn't go off or he was pissed. The guy just won a big game. They're 10 and one. He's uh -huh. the best football player of all time. The best quarterback of all time. And what's he doing after the game? He's either pissed off because the second should have gone off or he's trying to understand why it didn't go off. Try to get a little bit better. I tweeted this at Ross Tucker NFL. That yeah. is why he's the GOAT. Well, how about this, Ross? I love that, that he is still completely plugged in as the seconds are ticking off and trying to either learn from it, make it a teachable moment, or teach the ref, hey, don't do that to me again. I know what I'm doing and I know the rules. So one or the other, he's that plugged in. Let's put that next to Dwayne Haskins, shall we? With what he does in the final seconds in Washington, taking a selfie with fans after he had been a part of a win, good for you, but he's not even around as the clock winds down and Case Keenum has to go out there on the field and get in victory formation because Haskins is ready to celebrate and move on when you're a rookie. You've done nothing, nothing. And you want an example of why you don't do that? Look at the goat, look at the goat. Ross Tucker just told you what the goat does. The GOAT pays attention all the way through to the end and tries to control things, manipulate things, learn from things to set up the next game and the next game and the next year and the next year. It's why he's still playing. What is he, 53? Dwayne Haskins, you're 11 years old. Stay plugged in for the whole game. That's It's a really low bar.
I think it's a really low bar and the least that Redskins fans should expect. So, Matt, I got I to gotta tell you, I feel like you could go either way with the Haskins thing. You could say, ah, he's a young kid. He was excited. That's hard for me to do. Like, I understand that, but I've never seen that happen before. I've never seen that happen to a guy before. I've never seen a guy. And it wasn't just that he was preoccupied and didn't go out there for the kneel down. It was that he was literally, rather than even walking across the field or celebrating with teammates or saying good game to Jeff Driscoll, he's doing a selfie with a fan. I mean... Maybe I'm just old and it's a millennial thing or whatever, Generation X or whatever the hell a 21-year-old is. But I got to tell you, Matt, I think that's pretty concerning. Millennials is what I think they are. I believe I'm Generation X. I don't know. Um, But it's not even a a millennial issue. It's like, are you part of the team or not? And, and, And you're the quarterback. It should be even more important to just simply be plugged in. You are a model, whether you believe it or not, whether you think you should be or not. A team will take its its personality at times. It will take its attention to detail or not from you at times. It's um, it, it was it was disappointing. It's silly, uh, obviously, and people will laugh at it. But it's it, it's it's disappointing because. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. So we'll say this, teachable moment. Hopefully it's a teachable moment and he never does that again. I had one of those. I had one of those, Ross, early in my radio career where I showed up late for my first shift as a producer on a Sunday morning and the venerable broadcaster here at the score in the 90s looked at me and he said, you can never do that again. Never. And I said, okay, all right. And I never did that again because our business is different. You don't show up late. You can't. Somebody's got to go on. Somebody's got to do the work. So Dwayne Haskins, you can never do that again. Uh, Yeah, I think that would be an understatement. There's a lot going on in (laughs) Dallas, by the way. Jerry Jones had a lot to say after the game, which is why we're going to talk to Kevin Hagelin from 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He has been all over the Cowboys the special teams issues, the kicking a field goal late decision. There, It sounds like Jerry Jones is ready to get rid of Jason Garrett and hire a new coach. My recommendation, Jerry, would be ZipRecruiter because <laughs> ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you, and its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. That's Dylan Miskowitz, by the way, the Cafe El Toro COO. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. We will dive in the big D. Kevin Hagelin, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Can't wait to get the vibe of the Cowboys nation, especially after what Jerry Jones had to say after the game. Keep it right here. Radio.com app, radio.com slash home. You're not going to want to miss this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I think you're going to get out, Coach, when you come to uh, the, the, during this era, when you come into uh, uh, New England. I do. I think you are. And uh, I give him his uh, uh, not do there, but it's just what you're dealing with. But my point is, don't get yourself in a spot to where you have to come up here and beat him and beat them and beat them uh, on a day like today. The special teams issue, do you think that's more of an execution thing or a coaching thing? I know you've talked about Jason, but what about the special teams coaching? To me, special teams is 100% coaching. It's 100% coaching. How strategy, it's uh, having players ready. Uh, they use the makeup of the roster. We exclude certain players from it because we they're too important in the defense and offensive phase of it. But uh, other than that, special teams. And that's why today uh, give uh, Belichick and give them credit. They did a great job on special teams, and that was uh, uh, really probably the determining difference. But uh, special teams is nothing but coaching. I believe special teams is effort. Special teams is savvy. Special teams is thinking. Anybody that can play on a position on offense or defense ought to be a great special teams player. There shouldn't be anybody on our roster that's not a good special teams player. That is the voice, of course, of one Jerry Jones. Welcome back. To Home and Home, a Radio.com sports original. I'm Ross Tucker. He's Matt Spiegel filling in today for Dave Briggs, who's got the week off. And we are joined now by Kevin Hagelin from 105.3, the fan in Dallas. He is the host of one of those Dallas shows, does a terrific job on the Radio.com affiliate. And, and Kevin... I guess I'll just start with your reaction to what you just heard from Jerry Jones. He's on your station every week, I think multiple times a week. You've heard him for years. Translate that. Put that through the the, the Jerry Jones translator. Yeah, in fact, he's on with the KNC Masterpiece every single Friday on one of those fantastic 105.3 The Fan shows. But what he just said was, this is Jason Garrett's fault. I'm just going to cut right to the chase. This is Jason Garrett's fault. In fact, I want you guys to indulge me for just a second because I'm a little irritated with y'all that you picked this time because right now on 105.3 The Fan, you're going to have to go to the Radio.com Rewind app. uh, Jason Garrett is on. So what I want you to do is I'm going to throw out what I think Jason Garrett is saying at this exact second, and then when we send y'all the audio, put me to the test and see if I get it. Fair? Fair. All right. He's going to say something like on that fourth and seven. Well, I think if you look at what the basic tenets and numbers of football would tell you to do, we did the right thing. And if you look at the way the game played out, we did the right thing. And that's going to be his takeaway. Because they got the ball back, they did the right thing kicking that field goal. And to your other point about the special teams, Look, Jerry Jones is 100% right, and a lot of the Cowboys fan base is excited this morning. I know that sounds weird because they just lost, but they're excited because they think that Jerry Jones is finally holding Jason Garrett's feet to the flame for some stuff that they think he should have held him to the fire a long time ago. Hey, Kevin, Keith O'Quinn is the special teams coach, right? Yeah. Now, Whose responsibility is it when you're playing in weather like this and you realize that the Patriots kicker, when they're kicking off, is landing the ball between, what, the 10 and the 20 every time? Whose responsibility is it to adjust to that and perhaps move your main returner up so you don't deal with a situation like they dealt with and end up with three, not one, not two, but three muffed kickoffs yesterday in addition to the punt block in addition to the missed field goals, how do you muff three kickoffs? And is that on Keith O'Quinn? Is that on Jason Garrett? 
you know, and I, I do want to say, too, obviously, a good extent, it's on Tony Pollard as well. Tony Pollard ran into this exact same situation within the last couple of weeks where he just watched the ball just bounce yeah. right in front of him in the field of play. And it is somewhat perplexing that, like, uh, uh, an NFL player could just watch that happen. But, yeah, I, I mean, I would initially want to say that's on Keith O'Quinn, but if you just listen to what Jason, Gar or excuse me, Jerry Jones just said, he said special teams is on the coaches. He doesn't just mean Keith O'Quinn. He means Jason Garrett. So I can speculate who I think it's on, but I feel like Jerry just told y'all and your audience that it's on Garrett. We're talking with Kevin Hagelin. It's KNC Masterpiece, 105.3, the fan in Dallas. You know, it's interesting that he chose yesterday, Kevin. You know, they're playing at New England. Almost nobody ever wins there. The weather was horrendous. What do you think it was about yesterday that caused him to be this? I mean, you don't think he really thought going into the game that they were going to win, do you? Oh, uh, yes, I absolutely do. There was this there was this really weird groundswell across the Metroplex all last week that the Cowboys were going to win this game. And I didn't entirely understand that either because whether you looked at the New Orleans game, the Minnesota game, to a certain extent the Green Bay game, this just struck me as another classic game where the Cowboys go up against a quality opponent and they're probably going to play a really close game and then they're probably going to lose. Like, the outcome of this game is not particularly surprising. How they get to that loss is always fascinating to me because it always seems to be different. But this this just struck me as another in a line of you play a good team, it's going to be close, and then you're ultimately going to lose because that's what the Cowboys have done this season. But all across the Metroplex, there was a shocking amount of confidence that the Cowboys, despite being you know essentially a touchdown underdog, were going to roll in and win this game. And I, I, I think to what you were just asking, I think it's because this is at least the third time that you looked at a game against a quality team that you probably should have won. The New Orleans game, the Minnesota game, and this game. Like, people can light me up on social media all they want. I did not look at that game yesterday and say, well, the Patriots were definitely the better team, and that's why we lost. I felt the same way in the Minnesota game. felt the same way in the New Orleans game. Now, the Green Bay game, fair enough. I thought you got smoked by Green Bay. But this is the third game for now a 6-5 and five team where you look at it and you're like, I don't really know exactly that we lost to the better team. And I think it was just build, build, build. And this was not the last draw because he's not going to fire him today, but it, it was what caused that kind of outburst. Hey, Kevin, um, from the outside, from the perspective of, say, I don't know, a guy who's lived in Chicago and covered the Bears for a couple of decades, here's what sure. I think of Jerry Jones. And I think Jerry Jones is a rich, rich man who's never known as much about football as he thinks he does who uh, pushed Jimmy Johnson out of Dallas and has since allowed himself and his children to pick the groceries and run the team and all of that. Like, I, I, I find myself with a pretty low level of respect for Jerry Jones's football acumen. It sounds like right now you or maybe the town is believing more in Jerry Jones than you are Jason Garrett, though. So is that a product of me not understanding what Jerry Jones really brings to the table or just a desire to move on from Jason Garrett? I think, you know, that's an interesting question. I think it's a product of understanding what can change and what cannot change, if, if that makes sense to you. Like, you cannot respect... It, 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 you cannot respect Jerry Jones football acumen all you like. And, uh, you know, I'm not particularly here to mount a <laughs> vigorous counterattack to that. But it's not going to change. Like, he's not going to stop owning the team, and he is not going to stop being the de facto GM of the team. However, what can change is you can change your head coach. And so I think that's why people make a run at uh, Jason Garrett more than Jerry Jones. I think people, you know, in the last 10 to 15 years just kind of came to accept whether you like it or you don't like it, learn to love it, because that's the way it's going to be with Jerry Jones. With Jason Garrett, though, you feel as though this is the pivot year where if they don't make a run in the playoffs, which I believe means making it to at least the NFC Championship game, then he's out. And that's why I think you hear so much directed at him, as opposed to people going, well, Jerry's pretty good at being a GM, because I don't think it's that. 
Yeah, Kevin, you said it in terms of the NFC Championship. That was going to be one of my questions. Um, I want to go back to what you said earlier about the fourth and seven and whether or not you can make any argument there. It, it was it was honestly, I give him a lot of credit, and it was refreshing to hear Troy Aikman call out the coaching issues on the punt where they had back-to-back penalties that hurt him with the yardage, then the kickoff return issues, and then Jason Garrett not going for it. I know they're friends. I know they're close. I give Aikman a lot of credit for calling it the way he sees it because I don't think, Kevin, there is a very good argument to kick the field goal when they did. You've scored six points the whole game, and and it's hard to kick, and you're going to go ahead and kick a field goal there and still be down four points? I didn't understand that. I didn't think it was the right move. And I I give Aikman a lot of credit. Was that a bigger issue for you than the special teams mistakes? Yes, 100%. Because even with the special teams issues, you literally still found yourself in a position where you could have won that game. I heard some nonsense about, well, if you score a touchdown, it's just a tie. That's preposterous. On the road, and I tweeted this out at, oh, thank Kevin, shameless plug, is I, I not only do I go for it there, if I score a touchdown, I'm 100% going for two points. Like, I am going to win that game. And a couple of issues that I have with the fourth and seven scenario, it goes beyond just fourth and seven because people are getting it twisted and get caught up at, oh, seven yards is a lot. Okay, fine. Take a step back to the play before. It's third and seven. You need to communicate to your team. You have two plays to get seven yards. And if that's the case, how much does Dak Prescott's perspective change when he rolls out to the left and it's him and it's a defensive lineman? Does he get that seven yards? Maybe not. Does he get four, five yards to make it a more manageable fourth and two? Maybe so. But he's thinking, I have to get a first down or a touchdown here or we're going to kick a field goal, hence why he goes for the end zone. Whereas if you would have reshaped that perspective and you said you have two plays to get seven yards, he's going to run and he's going to get four or five yards if he doesn't break a tackle. And if he breaks a tackle, he might score a touchdown right there. And then you're looking at a fourth and two and there's no question they're going for it. So I have a huge problem, and I think there is no argument about why you kick it. You kick it there if you care about keeping the game close and beating the spread. I care about winning the game, and I go for it 100 times out of 100. Hey, Kevin, is Dak Prescott's contractual future also tied to playoff success, or do you think that may have been decided already by his quality of play? I think it's probably the latter. And that is a fair question, and that still gets kicked around here. But the the level of discussion about Dak Prescott's contract has it's dropped to a shocking extent over the last four to six weeks. And people seem to just kind of accept, well, he's going to be your quarterback one way or another. Is he going to be your quarterback with a new head coach? To be determined. But I get the distinct feeling like if I had to go ahead and make predictions here— Jason Garrett does not retain his job, and whoever is the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is instructed during the interview process, you do not get to pick your own quarterback. Dak Prescott will be your quarterback. How people determine if they like that or not, well, that'll decide who gets the job. Kevin, really appreciate the time. Excellent stuff, as always. We're going to hear what some of your callers, or at least one, said after the game about Jason Garrett, make sure you are checking out K and C masterpiece, masterpiece uh, on one hundred five three. The fan there <laughs> in Dallas, master master ma- master pace maker for what the Cowboys did yesterday. Oh, Kevin, really appreciate We'll be curious to hear uh, Garrett's comments and see if you nailed him too. I bet I do. I bet I do. There he is, Kevin Hagelin, 105.3, the Dallas, available on the Radio.com app, which is how you can check us out, of course, Radio.com slash home. Matt, I do want to hear from a caller that said that evidently they don't even think Jason Garrett's really a coach. Take a listen. The players make excuses for the coaches. 
The coaches make make excuses for the players, and Garrett's just on the, the sideline clapping and being a cheerleader. He reminds me of a parent that wants to be their child's best friend. Parent. You're not the friend. You're the parent. So, coach, do what you have to do. Get in somebody's chest. Do whatever it takes. Get in your coach's chest. Do whatever it takes. But stop clapping because there's really not a lot to clap about. It's so funny because I wrote a story last week, Matt, about why aren't the Cowboys better? And almost everybody responded to it with Garrett, 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 Garrett. And I think this is a little bit, you know, emblematic of society, right? He's been there for like nine years now. I think people just get bored with people, right? They're just like over. I mean, they did win the division and win a playoff game last year. It's not like they've been terrible, right? But most of the people that tweeted me a GIF or JIF, whatever you call it, it was Jason Garrett going, I mean, he's like legendary for the clapping. I honestly think watching him now that he consciously doesn't do it sometimes because he knows that that's like (laughs) what people think of him. Uh, By the way, it's Jeff, and we could do 20 minutes on that if you want, because the creator, guy who created it, said he wanted it to remind people of the peanut butter and be fun to say. So I bowed to the creator and I give him I give him his due. But um, aside from that. It's, you know why people go to Garrett? And I thought Kevin answered it pretty well. There's a resignation. Jerry's not going anywhere. This is Jerry's team. And people have this fervor that we discussed earlier with, you know, passion for your team, be it in Philly or Chicago or obviously in Dallas and around the country for the Cowboys. You got to direct that anger somewhere. Most Mondays in Chicago are spent parsing out the blame pie. Ryan Pace, you get a big piece. Uh, Mitch, you get a big piece. Oh, Matt Nagy, we saved the biggest piece for you. You know, that's how it might work on a given Bears Monday. In Dallas, it doesn't matter if you give Jerry Jones a piece of the pie. He'll just swallow it up and, okay, give me another pie. Make me another one. He doesn't care. So, yeah, people point to Garrett. It is crazy to see a guy there that long without even reaching a Super Bowl, though, right? We could probably check into that um and maybe uh i will before the next time we're together ross nfl coaches who've spent nine years with the same team and not reached a super bowl because at some point a fan base and an owner gets surly and for that not to have happened yet is kind of shocking yeah and it's interesting too because watching the cowboys i wrote about this last week like dak is good he's playing at a high level zeke is good their receivers are good. Their offensive line's good. Demarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn are good. Sean yeah. Lee and Jalen Smith are good. I mean, maybe their secondary isn't great, but you can't have Pro Bowl guys everywhere. Like, Matt, this team should be better than 6-5. and five. You think so? You think so? Because it's funny. Last night I was watching the NBC guys at halftime, and Dungey and Rodney Harrison were saying – this is, we're responding to the Jerry Jones stuff that you played, that we played here at the beginning. And, and Dungy said, Jerry, this is your team. You're good. You're not great. That it's a talent issue. And, but I hear what you're saying. And the individuals that you mentioned are, 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 are excellent. So maybe then it is coaching, right? Or, or it's scheme. Maybe that scheme just has its limitations. Why, if they have that talent, are they falling short if it's, if it's not coaching? Well, they're 0-5. They're in games decided by seven points or less and wow. six and oh in other games where they blow out the other team. If you're blowing out six NFL teams, you've got pretty good talent. Like yeah. if you're winning by double digits, six by two scores, six times, you've got pretty good talent. And my belief is that I think a lot of it is coaching and it's hard for me to say you know, Jason Garrett went to Princeton where I went, where you grew up. I mean, we're all tied. We're all in this together, Spiegel. We're all in this together. Uh, you know what else I think was interesting, too? Um, is this idea of the Cowboys versus the Patriots as sort of America's team and how Ooh. you define that? Because I got asked that last week by somebody. And it's interesting because if you define America's team 
based on the amount of attention and scrutiny. I really think that the Patriots might have over, overcome the Cowboys. I think the Patriots might be the number one most talked about, scrutinized NFL team as opposed to the Cowboys. Well, that's really interesting um, to think of that larger issue. And it speaks to American society, doesn't it? That America's team used to be, in my mind, and probably a lot of people's, who do you love the most? Right. Who do you love the most or who is the best, who deserves it the most? And now if the currency is changing to who is discussed the most, who trends the most, who gets the most web hits, that kind of thing. Well, that sounds like our politics. That sounds like our media. And that sounds like our football um, as well. So that's pretty that's pretty interesting and perceptive, I would say that the Patriots are America's team more than the Cowboys, especially because they engender reaction, such strong reaction from whichever side. Brilliant, awful, cheaters, smart, um, excellent, lucky. You know, all of that is just so passionate about the Pats on a national level. So uh, I see where you're going. Yeah, and there was a lot of that when it came to Lamar Jackson uh, last year when he got the job, even earlier this year. Now it just seems like it's almost all positive, and probably rightfully so. We got one more game here in Week 12 in the NFL, and we've got Rob Long from 105.7 in Baltimore, our Radio.com affiliate. He'll break down tonight's game Ravens Rams as well as whether or not Lamar Jackson should be the MVP front runner here on home and home a radio.com sports original hi everyone this is Dave Briggs thanks for listening to the home and home podcast remember you can watch or listen live every day from 8 to 10 30 a.m eastern time exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.